So we've got an online audience as well. We podcast and we um, YouTube and all of that. Thank you for those people that are listening online. Um, stay tuned. We must, and it's, it's funny, we can see where they listen from. Please make sure that I'm not on the monitors. Please put the other mics off as well. Just mute all the other mics. Um, and most people listen from different places in the world, Australia, right through to Brazil, Germany, wherever, England, a lot of places. So we're blessed to have those people also listening in. The title of my message this morning is to how to win friends. How to win friends. So I'm sharing through the book of Matthew. Who of you enjoys this journey that we're doing? Are you guys enjoying that? Just don't, I don't know why it's doing that, eh? Right? No, 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 I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. I'll say, Hoha da, kit, help us, I believe. Can you all hear me? Good stuff. And um, so, what I want you to understand the day you get ordained as a pastor, you don't suddenly know everything in the Bible. Like you don't suddenly get bestowed with this huge amount of knowledge and know how and character and everything you the word that's coming out of it blesses me too i receive so much from it and you know uh, the proverb says a fool seems wise until he opens his mouth okay i'm a fool i'm proper because you know i thought i can do ministry <laughs> i really thought i could the last seven years have taught me i can't can't it is i'm bankrupt because there's nothing that there's a human that i can give to you nothing it's only the lord that can do something for you Amen. and so when i share this i want you to understand that also it, it nourishes me it teaches me as well because sometimes i think people think you know may you know the pastors know everything. They don't. They don't have the... I remember when the Lord gave me scripture that brought me into ministry. I, I thought I could do it. I was a fool. Even a fool seems wise until he opens his mouth. And because I, I never knew what a heavy burden it is to prepare Sunday for Sunday. In the beginning, it's, it's kind of easy because you go to the, your, your, your shelf sermons, your stock ones, ones you can do blindfolded. And they, the, you even know exactly where it is in your Bible. You, don't even, you, you can just do it. I don't know if you've got scriptures like that in the Bible. And you're like, yep, Ezekiel 54. And read, oh, I'm wrong, it's Samuel. And, then, <laughs> and um, the burden is to emotions the burden is to it's heavy it's heavy so when I minister to you guys it's really just my availability that counts so the message I want to share with you today is how to win friends and I mean Dale Carnegie has written a book I don't know if you know who Dale Carnegie is who's ever heard of Dale Carnegie it's got a big book like this. It's about twice as thick as the Bible. 
How to Win Friends and Influence People. Brilliant book, brilliant read. But I think Jesus trumps him. Okay? Because there's a difference between motivational speaking and being fed in your spirit. Positive thinking, motivational speaking, let's go Mike Lipkin, yes, yes, yes. It will help you. Okay? It will get you somewhere. It will make you positive and you might achieve something. It will energize you and vital. But it will be like carbs. It just burns out. Okay? But, is it carbs or kilojoules that burn out? Just that quickly. Correct me when I, whatever you know, guys don't understand what I mean. But protein. Protein lasts. Protein keeps you full. And that's what the Word of God is. So, I want to just expand our, our, our scripture for today is matthew 18 from verse 15 how to win friends moreover if your brother sins against you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone if he hears you you have gained your brother but if he will not hear take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established and if he refuses to hear them tell it to the church but if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. <coughs> How to win friends. And when, when I read this, I was like, Lord, what am I going to say about this? Self-explanatory, isn't it? I mean, how do you bring a message? How? Lord, help me. Lord, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to expand on this. And then the Lord starts and this is what I'm saying to you guys. It's not like you've got all this knowledge. But it takes a lot of prayer, meditation on the Word of God, a lot of listening to God to, to get something that nourishes me, but that also nourish you. So I've got four things that I want to share with you, but just backtrack to the beginning of Matthew 18. The first thing that we get that in Matthew 18.3 is humbly believe like children. That's the first thing I want you to see there. It says, except you convert and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. Humbly believe like children. And so most people today have got, what's it, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. I don't know. What's there more? WhatsApp. You know, we've got all profiles on all social platforms, and we've got all these friends and followers. I mean, I've got, and it's not even a lot, 1,700 odd friends on Facebook. Friends on Facebook. That's, that's fake. That's fake. It diminishes the word friend. Because, I mean, half of those, 99% of those people don't even know what's going on in my life. Okay. So, we, I mean, and we post, post, and, we, and then we look for the likes. And the, hey, somebody shared it. I, I actually put a post there, and I saw some people actually like and comment on it. And I thought, I didn't even know you watch my Facebook. You're my friend, but I didn't know that you are watching what I'm posting. You see, but what is real is the people around us. They know us. They watch us. So if I want to win friends, I need to walk humbly before the Lord. And we all walk humbly before the Lord, am I right? And we do. 
uh, until we see somebody. It's like, see what they do. No, 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 you're not understanding the scripture correctly. Let me correct you. And so is that humility? Was it just me? Humbly before God. And we've got people watching us. You have got followers in real life. Your spouse, your children, your family, your friends, your colleagues. The soccer moms. They're watching. How do we, are we walking humbly before the Lord? Was there an arrogance about us? Where we, because we've got, we've got some morals now. Different morals than the world. Different values. So we up here. Did you see what that one did again? Look at those ones' tattoos. I'll never dress like that. And suddenly I've elevated myself. And I'm not walking humbly. And those people are watching us. We will not win any friends like that. Do you follow? We win friends by humbly walking before the Lord. Can I just give you prophetic word? I, wanna, I don't know if it's prophetic word, but while we were worshiping, the Lord just showed me something. This Chris and Chantal. Ne? This is what the Lord shows me. There's a generational blessing in your bloodline of warriors. People that don't back down. Want to fight and break through things. And the Lord says, in His kingdom, it is going to do so much good. There's such a resilient blessing that lies in your bloodline. I don't know where, if you, if you can recognize it, where even yourself, your children, your grandchildren, they just have this innate thing that they want to challenge. They want to fight. And God says that is for His kingdom. He's placed it in there. Like He's placed in other families' music. And you know, from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. Music. I mean, they can sing and they can do everything. And God's placed that warrior thing. And when I was praying for the Lord, I could see it in the Spirit. I could see in the spirit this little warrior. See, but with that comes a, 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 a parameter that we need to do. Is the soldiers need to be trained. They need to know where their mandate lies. They need to be the commander and follow his instruction, not follow their own heads. And there's a discipline in that that needs to come. But there's a, does it resonate with your hearts? Does it resonate with you guys? Is it something that you see in your own family where you've got these warriors of people that are just, they want to fight. There's something about them, they want to fight. God says there's a blessing in that. Okay. So God doesn't want to chop us down and, and He doesn't want us to, 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 to think that we or look down at people. We need to, so the first way of winning friends is humbly believe like children. The second one is in verse 7 to 9. Acknowledge your sin and deal with it harshly. Acknowledge your sin. You see, when we walk humbly before God, we need to we'll acknowledge our sin. But we have to deal with it harshly. We, we can't pamper lung. What's that in English? Nurse. Molly coddle. 
We have to deal with our sin harshly. Why? Because people see it. People see. They see our short. Now, you and I don't need a reminder of our weaknesses. Am I right? I don't need to tell you the, your weakness. You know all about your weakness. I know all about... I like how the one guy says that if you know me like I know me, you wouldn't want one minute of me. Okay? Because of our weaknesses that we carry. But when we see it, and when we walk humbly before the Lord, we need to deal with that because it will bring our character in line with the Lord's character. You see, Jesus never ever modicoddles sin. He hates sin. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't have to tell you what your sin is. But this is how we win people. is when we acknowledge our weakness and we deal with it. We deal with it. We work on it. We aggressively attack that thing and say, this does not fit an ambassador of heaven. It's not going to win people when I walk in my sin. You see, that piece there says that don't be a stumbling block or don't make a child stumble or don't offend. But make sure that your offense is because of the cross and not your sin, not your weakness. Deal with it. Acknowledge it and deal with it. The next part is have a heart for the lost. That's in Matthew 18, 7 to 9. You see, this where it pops out your eye, cut off your hand, that's dealing harsh with your sin, but it goes over to the one. Jesus leaves the 99 and he goes for the one. It is fantastic when he leaves the 99 and comes for me, isn't it? Because I'm the one. When I'm not the one and I'm part of the 99, it's so, still so fantastic. You see, this is where maturity needs to happen because a lot of time Christians become so immature when they see the Lord working in somebody else, using somebody else, transforming somebody else. What about me, Lord? Oh. <laughs> that, you see, this, we need to understand that. There needs to be maturity. We need to have a heart for the lost. You see, the scripture says, the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner turns around. So can I put it in modern day language? We have a New Year's party in heaven when one person says Jesus is Lord and turns from their wicked way. There's a New Year's party in heaven. It's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels that celebrate and have joy. You see, the day you got saved, heaven broke out in pandemonium. You're coming home. Jenny's coming home. Write her name down. Write her name down. Write Pat's name. He's coming home. Heaven is celebrating. You see, it's not the will of God that anyone should get lost. You see, if I walk with pride in front of people, I repel them. 
fear of man causes pride. You see, I get hurt, I get rejected in some form, some way. Somebody says something that I don't like. It hurts my spirit. It doesn't hurt my body, does it? Sticks and stones will break my bones. Okay? But those words break the inside of me. Those actions break. That's rejection. That causes fear of man. I am not going to open up to anybody. I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to stand one side. I'm not going to give my opinion. When we stand around the bride fire, I'd rather keep quiet. When we're talking about this idea, I don't give my input because I'm scared I'll be rejected again. Okay? That brings pride. I don't need people. It might sound like this. I'm more an animal person. Oh, people have hurt you and you've not dealt with it. Are you hear me? God didn't make you to have emotional connection with an animal. He made you to have emotional connection with people. No man is an island. Not saying that you can't love your animal. It's not what I'm saying. You can love your goldfish all you want. All right. You, know, you can bury it. You have a big ceremony to bury it as well. Some of us just flush it. Next. I'm, I'm being naughty, okay? I know. Okay. You see, and I'm sharing this specifically. Specifically. Fear of man will lead to pride, will lead to more rejection, will lead to fear of man, will lead to pride, will lead to more rejection. It is a vicious cycle. And it pushes people away. And it will leave you on the outside looking in, wanting to be part, but never really feeling like you're in but always feeling like you're out, that there's something wrong with you. Does it make sense? Are you following me? So when rejection comes, we need to deal with that. I'll give you the tools how to deal with that. It's not a problem. But we first need to see it. If we don't see this and we say, but that's not me, just like Jeremy, then my hands are in my pocket. And I can't receive what God's got for me. I need to have my hands open and realize, see, I might settle with, battle with rejection or abandonment. And now I've withdrawn. I've gone into fear of man. That person's going to hurt me. I can't trust people. That will cause me to become prideful. I don't need people. I'll do it on my own. I can manage. It's fine. Causes what? Rejection. Oh, that one thing, that one's got a chip on his shoulder. Can't talk to that person. Can't connect with that person. Why? Because the pride is standing in the way. You see, when we have a heart for the lost, we start understanding that they might walk with, with rejection. They might walk with abandonment. They might not have the same values as you and I. They might not look the way you want them to look. They might be a different skin color. They might be colored in from top to bottom. Have piercings where you can't believe people have piercings. Okay? 
I mean, I just don't get having a chain between your nose and your ear. What do you want me to do? Grab, come here. <laughs> I'll lead you to the Lord, you know. <laughs> you know, if you cows, you've got a th ring that you push between the no in the nose. You know that, hey? You've got a piece of rope and it's got like a metal piece. If that cow doesn't want to cooperate, you put that thing, you track them, it cooperates. Suddenly, it cooperates. We're not cows. God doesn't want to deal with us like that. He comes gently and says, I love you. I've made a way for you. Come. You and I, when we win people, when we walk humbly before the Lord, when we deal with our sin harshly, okay, and have a heart for the lost, we make it easy for them to come. We win them over for the Lord. We might win our spouse like that, our children, our grandchildren. You see, the minute we don't have a heart for the lost, we reject people. You know, someone might walk in the door this morning or next week, broken. A gentleman might come in broken, alone. And he says, well, I beat my wife. She's lying in hospital. How do we as a church react? We withdraw. As society, withdraw. We immediately make judgments. And I'm using an example like this, but there are millions of examples like this. But that same person goes to the pub and two beers later has got a lot of friends. Who has had the biggest heart for the lost? The church or the Who has been the humble and who has been the judgmental? The church or the pub? You see, we cannot shave people under our values. Do you follow that? You can't hold people to Christian values when they have not subscribed to those values. They've not said, but that's the values I want. I like that values. You know there are people in church that are not even born again. They're not Christians. They come to church often. And the only reason why they come is because they agree with the values of the church. They agree with Christian values. And then they start schools. This is a Christian-based school. But it's got nothing to do with the Lord. It's only values. They like the values. They don't like the Savior. Christians, to win people to God, we have to value Him. You see, we can be so busy with our own agenda, our own lifestyle, because in, in our life, we are the main character. That's how we live. If you look in the mirror, you will see that. If you're honest with yourself, we'll see in the mirror that I believe I am the main character in the story of my life. A purpose-driven life, the author starts with first page, first page, very gripping. This is not about you. You are not the main character. Your story is not the big story. Your, it's not about you. 
It's about Him. It is He, the Lord Jesus, is the main character in the story of mankind. It's His story. It's even dated by His birth and death. It's His story. And when I say He is Lord, and I still continue with my agenda, my way, my thinking, I'm going on this way, doing my mission. I have not made Him Lord. I've not. I've just, I like you, Jesus. I've become a Jesus fan. Well, yay, Jesus. Woo, Jesus. Wow. I like your values, sir. I'll use it for my gain. I'll still do what I want to do. Live the way, life I want to. Chase the agenda, the plan that I have for myself and pursue. And rather than say, sir, you are superior. That's what the word Lord, word Lord means. Superior authority. Superior authority over me. Not over my husband or my children or my neighbor or society, but superior authority over me. My mission. My agenda. My way of talking. My way of walking. Over me. His agenda is to leave the 99 and find the lost. For God gave His Son so that whoever believes in Him would not perish. John 3.16 Jesus come. He says, I don't come to judge the world. I don't come to condemn it, but to save it. To rescue that. That whoever calls on His name will be saved. Can you hear God's agenda? His agenda is for the lost. His agenda is for the lost. What's mine, your agenda? More money. More comfort. It doesn't suit me to come out that night. It's that you're asking too much. No, I can't reach out to people. No, I can't present the gospel to anybody. Who Can you hear the self-preservation in that? Can you hear that? Whose mission is that? My own. Then I am the superior authority of my life. I'm not in the place where I'm willing to become a fool for Jesus. How do you become a fool for Jesus? Well, at the braai, you say, let us pray. Then you see them cockroaches squirrel. And I'm not talking about rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Pray. I'm talking about talking to the Lord. You know, when we're children, I told you guys this before, I'll share it again. We were at the children's home and we had the kids pray for meals and they all had the same little rhyme. And one day I just had enough. I was like, stop. The Lord doesn't hear rhymes, my boy. Talk to your father in heaven. I did it my style. Somebody will do it more gentle and kind. I know. I understand. I understand. Forgive me. And that little boy was about eight years old, prayed, and I started crying. He said, Father, we thank you for this food. But those children that are on the street, that don't have food, will you provide for them? And I break out.
I'm broken right there. This is a child in a children's home. Suddenly the atmosphere changes. Suddenly it's no longer about him, but it's about outward, the lost. Suddenly the agenda of heaven is in that room. Now, boom. In the room. An eight-year-old kid. The agenda of the Lord. Bah. Changes. Because they've got a heart for the lost. You win people like that. When you have got mercy and grace towards the sinners, people don't assist. And you actually do something. You actually present them with the gospel. You actually say, can I pray with you? Can I bless you? You guys still here? All right. Everybody's toes okay? Not stepped on too many toes yet? Okay. The last one is engage with those who trespassed against you. And I want us to read that part again. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. You know what people do? They tell other people what has been done to them. Rustin, I don't know, bumps my gate, bends my gate. I actually bumped his gate, so I'm using that as an example. Rustin bumps my gate. I don't talk to him about it. I go tell everybody else. Oh, Rustin, he bent my gate. You know what that's called? You know what that's called? Murder. Because you are assassinating his character. And now somebody else meets him for the first time. Oh, is that ache that bumped the gate, huh? Never said a word, never fixed it. Oh. That's what people do. That's what we do. Rather than engaging with us, Rasi, how are we going to solve this gate thing? I don't stand sure. You know, I've lost my brother. You see, I go to other people and I don't discuss the problem with the person. And you know what? He might not even have known. He might not even have known. He is oblivious of it. Sinned against me. I don't even know that he sinned against me. Now I've got to tell other people about it. And now I've got... Next time I see him, we walk around each other. We don't look each other in the eyes anymore. I can tell when people have been talking about me. Can you too? They don't look you in the eye anymore. It's as easy as that. They greet you like this. Hello. It's like, bro, have I grown like a couple of feet with wings? Because I'm not up there. I'm right in front of you. And then I get naughty. I just hold on to their hand that second longer. Oh, I know what's going on. You've been talking about me, or somebody's been talking about you. You know what's a dead giveaway? I shouldn't actually tell it because of my secrets. My secrets. A dead giveaway is the children. <laughs> they are dead giveaway because yesterday loved you. They absolutely loved you. And now they've heard a conversation in the car of mom and dad. And mom and dad are trying to speak in code. Yet the kids are so sharp they've picked up on it. And they know they're talking about the pastor. And next time you see that child, he's like cold. 
Oh, there you go. Mom and dad have been talking about me, eh? Oh, plan Markerki, thank you very much. You know, it's like a wind indicator. The wind's blowing up that way. People pick up, and our children are far more clever than we think. I can remember as a youngster, four years old, my parents didn't know I was understanding English 100% in our Afrikaans house at age four. And they would have their discussions in English, and I would understand every single word and just act like I know nothing. But I can understand exactly what they're talking about. Character assassination. You see, you go to that person, you say, you have sinned against me. Now, what is that sin? What is that offense? It doesn't matter. You see, but if I want to win people, I engage them. You don't have to confront them. Confront is such a strong word. Confront is like, we're going to dukes up now. We have to fight through this thing. You hurt me. I just want to tell you, I just want to tell you, I forgive you. Have you had somebody do that to you before? They come to you and say, I just want to let you know, you did this, but I forgive you. I tell you what, I want him to wake up on, the, on his back. It was a punch, his lights out. Flippin' arrogant. I didn't even know I did anything. No, I forgive you. I had this person in our church. And I was teaching him to deal with this. And I said, you need to forgive these people. What does this man do? He gets in his car. He goes to his previous pastor's house. Goes to his house. And he tells him, have a cup of coffee. I just want to let you know, I've forgiven you. Okay. Do you know what that pastor did? He kicked him at his house. Why? Because it's haughty and prideful and arrogant. I just want to let you know I've forgiven you. I don't see Jesus do that. Jesus hangs on a cross. And no one apologizes. And he forgives. You see, we got to people want to tell you, you know, you hurt me. Now we're waiting for, I am sorry. Jesus never got a I am sorry from nobody. Hanging on that cross. You see, before I come to you, before I come to you, I need to, in my heart, forgive you. Rustin bent my gate. So, Lord, I forgive Rustin. I know it was just an accident. And I go to him. Or we might have a difference, Jenny. And I have to decide in my heart. I don't agree with her, and I forgive her. And then I go, you know what? When you said that to me, you hurt my feelings. It's not to chop you down to size, but it's to win you as a friend. And now I go, and I, you've met those people. This is, this is my favorite one. This is my favorite one. It kind of hurts me sometimes. Those people that don't know you when they don't want to know you. They actually know you very well. They talk to you. But when you're in certain company, now suddenly like they don't even greet you. Who knows what I'm talking about? Who's, been, who's had that before? You know, you, you're with these guys and your best friends and things are going well. But when they're with their missus, they just walk on by. You're like, hello, Gary. That hurts me. I don't know about you, but that hurts me. It pushes all the rejection buttons that are on the inside of me. Just, burr, 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 just goes off. Like a merry-go-round. Bang, 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 bang. 
You won the jackpot. I have to decide there and then to forgive. So when I see them again, I don't act from that place of rejection. Hey, last time we walked in the mall, I was waving my arm off. You know, you know the excuses you get. Sorry, bro, I didn't even see you. Yeah, I know, because I was almost invisible. Eh? <laughs> you see, listen to the, it carries on. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. That's verse 15. Verse 16, but if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witness every word may be established. You see, the heart here is not to chop people down to size. The heart is to win people. It's to win my fellow believer. It's to win people over for the kingdom of God. It's to win them. So maybe when I speak to them, they don't hear me. Now we've had it. And some of you gentlemen, thank you for that. Thank you for the support that we, I have in that. That I can trust you and call on you. We've had incidents where we had to call people up and say, because I've spoken to them one-on-one -on -one, and I make a meeting with them again and I sit with them alone again. And during that first five minutes, I can assess are they hearing me or not hearing me? And then I call on these gentlemen, say, come sit with me. You know how humbling it is when you don't have the answer, but somebody else unlocks it. They unlock that. And they've got the angle or the words to say in that moment to cause the reconciliation, to cause peace to come. It's humbling. But it also reveals that sometimes we're in a place where we not so forgiven and we're not so backed up in God's love we're actually trying to fend for ourselves it's humbling to do that. say help me many couples need that they need just one or two people to come and sit with them and they need to be vulnerable about their relationship to solve the problem well, sometimes we are so emerged in that problem that we cannot find the solution. It hurts so much. We've gone into this place of self-preservation and defense that we can't break through to our spouse. But our pride stops us from calling somebody in and saying, would you come and sit with me? Me and my wife, we've got this problem. We're battling in this area. And now we're carrying this thing on our shoulders. And I'm being watched by other people. And they can see something's not right in your marriage. They can see it. And you're saying the Lord is good. You're professing. And I say, but that's fake. That's not genuine. That doesn't win people. It repels them. Because it doesn't give them the answer. But when we walk in humility, and I'm not saying every... Tom, Dick, and Harry needs to know the inner workings of my marriage. But sometimes we need to find confidence, confidence where in whom we place our confidence, our trust, and say, we're battling with our finances. We're battling with our intimate life. We're battling about with this thing. We just cannot get through this thing. Somebody else has got the solution. It's a humbling thing when we say, but that wins people over. 
You see, God wants us to win people over. I'm going to give you those four things quickly again. Humbly believe like children. Acknowledge your sin and deal with it harshly. Have a heart for the lost. Engage with those who trespass against you. He goes over to this last part. He says, if they don't want to hear, bring him before the church. And this is where the church sometimes become harsh because we've read the scripture. Shake the dust off your feet. You've read that, hey? Shake the dust off your feet. And it will be for them like Sodom and Gomorrah. It is an act of condemnation. It's an act of saying, Lord, I give up. You destroy them. That's not the heart of God. That's not what He wants you. But He does work with correction. And the same with our children. And we can have a conversation with our children. And hopefully they listen the first time. And then we can go over to having a conversation with mom and dad and maybe ground them. That's the next step. And then maybe we can bring the person in front of the congregation and hopefully they wake up. That's giving your child a hiding. That they wake up. Can you see it's not a go-to first. It's a progressive thing. And God's heart is not to condemn. Not it's His heart is that all people should be saved. But if we've come to that place, I've walked with people for three, four years, and then I stop because they're taking what is precious of mine and trampling it like a pig underfoot. There comes a time where we have to understand that people will choose what they want to choose. And we can't judge them, we can't anything, we can just withdraw. And they'll be like a taxpayer, like a tax collector. I don't want anything to do with you. Let the Lord my deal with you. But don't go shake the dust off your feet. That's not how God's heart. That's not God's heart. You see, and when I say that, it's, this message for me is an encouraging message. It's a message that says, God wants to win you and I over so that we can win people over. Would you close your eyes where you are? Please. And maybe and this is it's, it's, it's so profound. It's so important to the kingdom of God's mission. This is God. This is the reason why we serve Jesus. This is the reason for the cross is that if I ask you today, Will you go to heaven if you die now? If the Lord comes now, will you go to heaven? Is your name written in the book of life? Because God has done everything to win us over. Everything. And Every head bound, every set of pair eyes closed, every eye closed, I ask you to just for one second, just one second, have a bit of introspection right now. And if you are not sure, I want you to pray with me. And we're going to pray together as a congregation this morning. That's how we do it. But if you're not sure, I want you to pray with me. 
Will you pray after me now? Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I have sinned against you. And the punishment for my sin, Lord, is eternal damnation. But you have paid the price for me by dying on a cross in my place, by being tortured in my place, by being whipped in my place. You took my sin upon you. You being innocent. You took the curse so that I can be blessed. Today, Lord, I choose to, with everything that I have, with my ability to surrender my heart to you. Lord, on the inability I have for the areas that I can't surrender, I ask you to just take it, Lord. I don't know how, but I know that I need you. Thank you that you save me now. Because I believe from my heart that you are Lord. That you died and rose again. Thank you for writing my name in your book of life. And that you call me child of God. Receive your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, please come and baptize me. Fill me with your power. Come wash me clean. Come testify with my spirit that I am a child of God. I ask this in Jesus' name. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Please, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want you to look at me. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time today, or it, you have recommitted your life to the Lord. If you've prayed that just look at me. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Just look at me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for your presence. So much. Lord, help us to win people for your kingdom. Will you please stand? I want to bless you before we go have coffee. Now, Rod's fear um, of receiving is the right thing to do now. Thank you for that, Rod. I think it's very apt, very fits where we want to be this morning. Father, as ambassador of heaven, I come now and I bless your children, Lord. Not, not mere empty words, Father, but in the Spirit, I bless them. In Jesus' name, your word says, Father, that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. 
And I release it over them in Jesus' name. I bind it to their life. Spiritual blessings to withstand temptation, to hear your voice, to walk in the light. I bless them this morning, Lord, with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Father, bless them, enable them to prosper in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's go celebrate.